Today, I want to bring a message to you that I feel like God put on my heart, and I feel like it's a message for today. I feel like it's something that many of us in this room need to not only hear, but we need to apply to our lives today. Um, the, yesterday, we had the opportunity, about 12 or 15 of us, to go to Lake Charles and help our church there. We have a church in Lake Charles called Church of the King, and they, they basically lost most of their building um, and it's, it's pretty devastating, a couple million dollars worth of damage. And we were able to help them go and sort out whatever's left, <laughs> whatever's good, went into a storage container. And, and we had the chance to go and be the church. And it's funny, we were in a series about being the church and not just coming to church and not just being a Sunday morning Christian, but being a Monday through Saturday Christian. And then all of a sudden this hurricane hits and bam, we get the opportunity to be the church, like boots on the ground, hands in the dirt, church, right? And I've been very proud of our campus. I've been very proud of this church uh, for all that we've done since the hurricane hit. And I, I just want to say thank you. And, and I want to say to you today that that is important that you showed up. It's important that you stepped outside of your comfortable spot and you went out and you served. People are blessed because of that. And the love of God and the goodness of God, watch this, is transferred from you to other people, the people that you help. You know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. How does the goodness of God get to other people? God sends it through us, right? That's why Christians shouldn't be mean. <laughs> Can I say it one more time? That's why Christians shouldn't be mean. <laughs> But we should be courageous and we should be confident. Amen? So today, the title of my message is Looking Beyond What You're Going Through. Looking Beyond What You're Going Through. I want to bring you this message today because it will cause you to look at all things differently. This past week, I want to start with a question. What did you spend most of your time thinking about this past week? In fact, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to get you to do something a little bit different. I want you to grab a connect card on the seat in front of you and an ink pen. And I want you to answer that question. Don't put your name on it. I want you to be brutally honest. And I want you to tell me, what did you spend most of your time thinking about this week? What consumed your mind? What consumed your eyes? What were you staring at? What was, what was your focus this week? Write it on a piece of paper, and then at the end of service, just leave it on a seat. Just leave it on your seat, and we'll, we'll pick those up. And that's just for my information. Because we all spent our time focusing on something this week. And before you start to justify what you were spending your time focusing on, just put the brakes on that for a minute. I get you. I get you. There's a lot of things around us that are very important, Right? Like the electric bill, right? <laughs> okay, y'all don't need electricity, y'all can pay mine. Water, food, those things are important, I get that. But what did you spend most of your time focusing on this week? Was it your pain? Was it your marriage? Was it your kids? Was it money? Was it work? Was it toys? If you're single, and only if you're single, was it your crush? Was it COVID? Was it politics? 
Was it social injustice? Did you spend most of your time focusing on Fox News this week? Write it down. Be honest. You'll notice something different about me. I don't change my hairstyle very often. Um, but I got some specs on today. I like that? I look good with my specs? Thank you for your kindness. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I've been having them for, I don't know, four months, five months, six months? Six months, and this is the first time you've seen me with them on. I'm struggling. I like them, but I don't like them. We have a love-hate relationship so far. But I recently, recently had to go to the eye doctor because my eyes, it's not that I, I realized I couldn't see. It's just every time I would read, my eyes would start to burn. And they, they would get itchy and watery, and it was, it was uncomfortable. I was like, man, what's wrong with my eyes? Every time I, my wife said, you need to go to the doctor? She said, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> You're right. You didn't say it like that. So reluctantly, I went to the doctor, and I got my eyes tested. And sure enough, I had stigmatisms, and I had, I had some vision complications. And uh, it's, like, it's like glasses is like admitting you're getting old, right? Come on, somebody. And it's like proof to the world that, oh, yeah, there you go. So I, I went through the whole thing, picked me out some frames. I'm like, dear goodness, do you have to have a million frames to pick from? Come on, somebody. And so then I had to wait for my lenses to be developed, and I got my lenses and my glasses back, and I go to the place, and they're like, hey, you need to try them on. And I put my glasses on for the first time, and I was like, I was like, and I went, wow. I was blind. <laughs> Come on, anybody feel my pain? Come on, I had a little pride, didn't want to go get some glasses. You, you were reluctant, you were stubborn, right? I put them on, I was like, whoa, I can see the edge of letters. I was like, wow. And I, all of a sudden, I realized I could see. I realized how bad I, or how much I couldn't see before. Because now I could see something clearly. It helped me understand how foggy my vision was before. And I was like, man, it was bad. I had a friend that would tell me for years, just wait till you're 40, you're going to get some glasses. <laughs> well, I waited till 46. Stubborn. So for, 40, for six years, I've been blind, <laughs> foggy. But I could see. But watch this. I want you to get this this morning. I got the glasses and I can see and it's wonderful, but I'm having a hard time getting used to them. Any, anybody have a hard time driving with your glasses? Nobody? Okay, three, four. I drive a four-wheel drive truck. When I get in my truck with my glasses, I feel like I'm 18 years old again, and I got a lowered truck, and I feel like I'm squatting on the road. It's the weirdest thing. I take them off, four-wheel drive. I put them on, low rider. <laughs> the weirdest thing. And I'm having a hard time adjusting and everybody comes and please don't tell me this after service. Everybody says, oh, just give it a little time. Just keep wearing them. You'll get used. Don't tell me that. I've heard that already. <laughs> just be honest. I'm struggling. And what I'm realizing is it's going to take some time for the adjustment to happen. I got to get used to seeing clearly. I got used to having something on my face. But it's an adjustment that needs to happen. So the title of my message is looking beyond what you're going through. Are your eyes clear today? Or are they blurry, strained, trying to see all the things going on around you? 
How are your eyes today? What are you focusing on? Come on, I want you to walk out of here today with the ability to look beyond what you're walking through currently. Because if you can look beyond what you're currently standing in and you can look to the future glory that's coming for all of us, you'll get yourself a little hope. You'll get yourself a little courage. You'll start to walk a little different. You'll start to talk a little different. You'll start to even act a little different. Why? Because you're not focusing on your mess. You're looking at the glory that's coming down the road. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells us this. He says, this is from the message translation. He says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. (laughs) I love that. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Boom. Don't walk around shuffling with your eyes down, boudaying, fussing and complaining about everything that you're walking through, Paul says, look up. Look up to where Christ is. (laughs) And then he says this, that's where the action is. Come on, there's no action in your, your, your pity puddle, right? There's no action there. Nobody wants to join you there. Maybe you got one friend that loves to jump in other people's pity parties, but you don't even need that friend. Look up. Look up. Pick your eyes up. Focus on Jesus. Look to see what he's doing. And then it says this. And then, and then it says, see things from his perspective. Wow. See things from his perspective. That means you got to quit seeing things from your perspective. How many of you would agree with me this morning? My perspective can get a little jacked up. Oh, yeah. It gets cloudy. You ever raise kids? Yeah. I told one of them last night, I said, when you get 25, I'm going to be the smartest dude you ever knew. (laughs) No. Trust me. I'm smarter than you act. You see, the problem and the thing that Paul was speaking to in this moment with the Colossian church was this. The false teachers of that day were teaching Christians to focus on the temporal things that were right in front of them. Listen to me very clearly today. Everything that you're sitting on, walking in, driving, living in, handling, touching, smelling, seeing, it's only temporary. It will pass away. I believe we're all going to look back one day and go, I, I was a baby. I complained about, I stressed about temporary things. Ooh, it's quiet in this church. Temporary things. I got, I got fashed about temporary things. I lost my cool over temporary things. I had to get on blood pressure medicine because of temporary things. I got all stressed out. My cholesterol got all jacked up because of temporary things. Things that aren't going to go with me to eternity. Things that will burn and rust. 
They were trying to get Christians, watch this, to take their eyes off of Christ and to put them on themselves. And when you put your eyes on yourselves, it's hard to follow Christ. Temporary things. We stress about them, we lose sleep about them, we worry about them, we complain about them. We whine about them. What about eternal things? What about the things that are in eternity ahead waiting for us? Do you know the Bible says that anytime you do good deeds on the planet, you're sending ahead rewards in heaven? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Like you sent them ahead. They're going to be there when you get there. All those mornings I took my kids when they were little bitty and we went to the neighbor's house at 5.30 in the morning and we washed the car before they woke up so we could sneak a blessing on them. We sent some stuff ahead. It's going to be there when we get there and it's going to last for eternity. It's not going to rust. Nobody's going to steal it and the moss ain't going to eat it. Amen? It's eternal. It's up ahead. You can't see it if you're looking down. It's easy to focus on what's going on right now, isn't it? The media has never been this loud before. The world has never been this loud before. I mean, you almost got to go out into the woods to get some quietness. Come on, somebody. Be alert. He says to look to the heavens. What would happen if we would start looking up? instead of down. You know it's easy to feel sorry for yourself? You know it's easy to get upset when other people don't feel sorry for you either? Oh yeah. Post something on Facebook or social media. I'm having a bad day and nobody responds. Oh now if you put all your hope in that you're really having a bad day now. What would happen if we picked our eyes up and we looked to heaven and we started to have a different purpose with our life? What would happen if we started to see the things of this world as temporary? Like this ain't gonna last forever. I'm not gonna pay Slimco for the rest of my life. Or Walmart, come on somebody. You see, when you pick your eyes up and you start to look ahead, you start to live differently. You start to think differently. That causes you to start to act differently, which causes you to respond differently. And instead of being in defense mode your whole life, trying to justify yourself, you start to live with a different motivation. You start to understand that I'm on this planet for a purpose and a reason and my days are already numbered. You'll start to wake up in the morning with some purpose. And it's not to be at work on time. What happens when you start to look up? When you start to look up, you start to act differently. You start to think of eternal things instead of temporal things. You start to think, if I say what's in my mind right now, it may echo in eternity. <laughs> It may 
may cause some people to shut up. I'm trying to be nice. It, You'll start to think, man, if I do what I feel like doing right now, it's going to echo in eternity. It's going to have heavenly consequences. I love the part of that verse where it says, it says, be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. That's where the action is. Christians should never be bored. Christians should never run dry. But pastor, I run dry. I've run dry. You know what? I have to own why I've run dry. You know why I've run dry? Because I quit looking up and I started looking down. And I started focusing on my action and not Jesus' action. What would happen if we asked Jesus to see like he does? I was stubborn to not go get glasses. Okay, looking back, I go, that was dumb. I just got to own that, okay? That was dumb. Like, I could have seen well for six years more than I am now. I was stubborn. You know, every one of us has a decision to make today. Am I going to be stubborn or am I going to ask Jesus to change the way I see the things around me? We have to answer that question today. Are you willing to ask Jesus to change your perspective? Are you willing to submit the way you see things in your opinion? <laughs> what if we could see 2020 like Jesus does? Because I guarantee you he sees it different than all of us. He's not focusing on the election. He wasn't shocked by COVID. He saw the hurricanes coming. He knew 2020 was coming. But watch this. He sees it differently than we do. He sees it from a different perspective than we do. He's seated in a high position next to God. So when he looks over the thing, he sees the bigger picture, right? And you might say, well, yeah, but we're down here on the planet. You know, we got to look up. We can't see what's going on around us. If you focus on Jesus, he'll show you what's going on around you. He'll help you to see the way he sees. Just ask him and stop being stubborn and willing to let your opinion die. Amen. And say, God, would you help me to see like you see? I prayed that one time. I said, Lord, help me to feel what you feel. Oh, that hurt. He hurts. I took a test one time. My wife and I took this test. It's a personality test some kind of test, I don't know, strengths or something kind of test. And there's like 34 things that you can be in. And, and, and empathy was one of them. And, and she, empathy was like number her number, Cheryl's number two. And out of 34, empathy was my like number 32. So I have no empathy. I'm like, God, why'd you make me a pastor? I have no empathy. Like people heard and I'm like, suck it up. I'm serious. That's how I came into the ministry. It was rough. 
For all of you that have been here within the last five or six years, you're blessed. You should have been here with the people that first came here when we were here. Come on, Paula. You know what I'm saying. I haven't had much empathy. I asked God to change that. You know what he did? He started to increase my empathy. When people hurt, I start to feel it differently. What changed? Let me tell you what changed. The simple prayer of yielding my heart to God and asking him to help me feel what he feels changed the way I feel things. Does that make sense? So if it works with your empathy, it'll work with your vision, right? So I'm going to give you two things today that I think are very important with this message. And the first one is this, you got to be careful with the lure of now, the lure of now. If you're raising kids, you you can really see this in your children. And if you see it in your children, you're likely to see it in yourself still. They need something and they need it when? I mean, come on, from the littlest one, right? I mean, they get a little hunger cramp. What do they need? No! And they won't stop until they get it now. Right? Right? Teenagers, Lord Jesus, <laughs> uh, all y'all feeling my pain now, huh? they need it now, all life is hanging in the balance for this one decision, can I just have the Nikes, <laughs> like really? Like, I'm going to prove to you you're not going to die. So you're going to go to school barefooted for a week, and I promise you, you won't die. You might catch a cold, baby, but it's the lure of now. How many of you feel this constant pull of having to have what you want right now? How many of you, come on, be real honest with me this morning. You still feel that lure, that pull, that I want something and I want it now. What about justification? When somebody, somebody offends you, How, ba- how fast do you want vengeance? <laughs> I think it's hilarious the Bible says don't let the sun go down if you've got an issue with somebody. You know what that means? I've got to hurry up and take care of my stuff, settle my heart with Jesus, and go back and make things right with these people who offended me. Which means this, you can't punch them in the nose. You can't curse them out. But you want justification now. Right? I want to be justified right now. You offending me? I want justice now. How many of you want forgiveness right now? Oh, you messed up and you, you did humble yourself. Say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. You forgive me? How does that work with your wife or your husband? (laughs) We want it now. What about gratifying your flesh? Anybody struggle with hanger? Anybody got hanger issues? You know what hanger issues? That's when you're hungry. And you get hungry and angry at the same time. Come on, like you get so hungry, you get angry. Am I in the right church? Anybody got hanger issues? I got hanger issues, y'all. 
Like, when my stomach's empty, I get grouchy. Empathy drops out the bottom. I don't care about nobody but my stomach, and I want gratification when? Now! It's the lure of now. I got to gratify my flesh now. I got to have it now. It's funny, Jesus went into the desert after being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes directly into the desert to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights by which he didn't eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights. What did Satan come at him with? His stomach. You the man, tell them rocks right there to turn into bread. Come on, boy, you need to feed yourself. The lure of now. I got to have what I want right now. Is this making sense? I believe one of Satan's greatest deceptions is to get us focused on the right now. Because you know, the world's going to end in five days if I don't get what I want right now. You ever want to go buy something new? And you, and you go into the, let's say it's a vehicle. You want to go buy a vehicle. I bought a lot of vehicles, made a lot of mistakes. And I, I think I'm an expert now at buying vehicles. You go to buy a vehicle, they want, to, they want you, the sales, listen to me, the salesman wants you to buy it now. Why? Because his life's going to end if you don't buy that car now. And he's trying to convince you that if you don't get it now, your life's going to end too. And then he'll flip a switch on you and say, well, you know, they don't make too many of these. Bull. When they, when they load the paint gun with the, with paint, they paint a whole bunch of them. There's more than just. He's trying to convince you that you need it now. There's a lure for now. The enemy wants you to focus on the right here and now and get what you think you need right now. And if you don't get it right now, here's the deception. You don't look to heaven. You start complaining. You start to get depressed. You start to get discouraged. Because you want it now. It's a deception. It's a deception of your eyes. It's a deception of your mind. We've got to be careful with the lure of now. Second thing I want to talk to you about today is if we can, if we can not fall into the trap of now. If we'll not take the lure or the bait of now then it gives us the opportunity to look ahead to, to the rewards that we're waiting for. There's power in waiting sometimes. There's rewards that are lying ahead of us and they're worth waiting for. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Did you catch that? There's a crowd of witnesses watching you. They're watching your life of faith right now. Did you know that? Did you know there's a crowd? And they're not social distance, by the way. They're watching you right now, and they're watching your life of faith. Which means this, you're never alone. 
which means this, they're cheering you on. They're not passing judgment because they're not Jesus. <laughs> they're cheering you on. They're saying, come on, man. Come on, woman. He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Can you endure? Can you keep going? Watch what he says. Can you run the race that God set before you and not the rat race that the world has set before you? Because by the way, there's two different races going on right now. There's the one that God lays out before us and then there's the one that the world wants you to jump on. And the one that the world wants you to jump on is gonna kill you. But the one that God wants you to race, to, to run in, that one's gonna build your faith. That one's gonna encourage you. That one's gonna keep you going. That's why we have to get good at saying no to the world. Holla. And yes to God. I've run the race. I've chased the dollar. I've chased the fame and the glory. Listen to me, it is not worth it. But he tells us that there's some weight that slows us down. So question, what are some weights that slow you down? Let's be real honest this morning. What are some things that are slowing you down from running the race that God laid out before you today? Is it your career? Is it complicated relationships? Maybe your weight is toys and hobbies. Boy, it's really quiet in this church. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's frustrations about the current events that are going on. What's weighing you down? What's keeping you from running God's race and not the world's race? Are you still more concerned about what people think about you than what God thinks about you? Are you still trying to please people instead of trying to please God? Side note, if you're trying to please people, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. You may get little spurts where people pat you on your back and give you an attaboy, but that won't last forever. What's the weight that's holding you down? It's slowing you down. You need to answer that question today. Then he says to get rid of the sin that trips us up. <laughs> Welcome to a church where we talk about sin. I want you to look at me. Everybody look at me. Every one of us sins. My name's Pastor Jamie. I sin. Every one of us sins. So why try to act like we don't? And why try to pretend that we don't? I mean, we even try to convince ourselves that we don't sin. Well, that wasn't gossip. That was a prayer request.
What sin is tripping you up? Can we just get honest about sin for a minute? Can we just say, you know what, I got a sin? But here's the, here's the hope in that. If you'll admit you got a sin, Jesus will clean it up. He'll forgive you for it. And then he'll set you back on your way. But as long as you hide your sin and pretend it's not there and it doesn't exist, you never get past it. It always trips you up. Hidden sin will always trip you up. The Bible says that if you confess your sins one to another and pray for one another, you'll be healed. Well, you can't hide it if you're confessing it. What sin? Can we just deal with the sin? Can we just get real with sin? I know this about my own personal walk with Jesus, that at the end of the day or even throughout the day, if I'll just own what I've just done and bring it before God in that moment right there, I don't have to drag that old dead bag of bones with me. Right? I, I mean, Jesus said, First John, First John chapter 5. If you confess your sin, if you confess your sin, Jesus is faithful and just to what? Forgive you of your sin and then cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He'll take the stain off. He'll wash you clean. The guilt will go away. The condemnation will come off of you and you can live again. But you can't run with a bag of sin on your back. Not the race that God wants you to run. You can run the world's race because the world's getting really good at acting like it's got it all together, but on the, on the dark side of life, it ain't got nothing together. So what sin is tripping you up? What sin are you tripping on? Is it lust? Do you want what you don't have? Is it greed? You can never get enough? Is it anger? Is it gossip? It's hard not to talk about people. There's so much to talk about. Is it wrath? Is your sin you're always trying to pay people back? All my passive aggressive people. People offend you, go, oh, it's no problem. <laughs> That'll come back to bite you. What sin are you tripping on? He says to run with endurance the race that God set before you. When was the last time you ran with endurance with Jesus? When's the last time you had a season of running God's race and not the world's race? When was the last time you had a season of separating yourself from the world and pleasing God and not people? When's the last time you had a season? A season could be a day, a season could be a week, a season could be a year. When's the last time you had a good season of running with Jesus and not the world? Because I guarantee you this much, you're missing it. You're missing it. You know how I know you're missing it? Because when you run God's race, there's fulfillment and there's reward. When you run the world's race, there's emptiness and you run out of gas. Amen? And these glasses are bothering me. 
but I'm going to endure. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from running God's race? We really have to answer that question today. What's stopping you? This is a moment for you to reflect on your own life. It's kind of like this. Cheryl and I, when we were first married, we lived in an upstairs apartment, one bedroom, one bathroom. The kitchen was no bigger than the pulpit. And we were happy. I had a fishing boat. I was off on Fridays. I could go fishing by myself. She'd come home from work, and if she didn't feel like cooking, we could go out to eat like that. We wanted to go somewhere, so we could do it like that. Oh, it was good, huh, babe? Come on. Praise Jesus, them days is coming back. <laughs> Woo! Them cheering gonna leave one day. Yeah, buddy. Of course, now we don't care. Like, we gone. We gone. Where are y'all going? Ain't none of your business. But we used to run. We used to have fun. We used to go when we wanted to go, how we wanted to go. It didn't matter. Then all of a sudden, we decided to have some cheering. And we hit the brakes. Because cheering don't run fast. They slow you down. And the more of them you have, the more you got to slow down. Now, don't get me wrong. We love our kids. And we've enjoyed raising our kids. But there's a big difference. There was a different responsibility there, right? There was somebody else we had to consider, right? There was something else that was holding us back from the way we used to be. So it is with weight. Come on, we'll commit to a career, we'll commit to toys, we'll commit to possessions, and we'll take responsibility for them, not even realizing that we're sacrificing the ability to run. And so it is with sin. We'll, we'll sin and then we'll hide it, and then we'll sin, and then we'll hide it, and then we'll sin, and then we'll hide it. And before long, it gets so heavy, and you feel so condemned, you can't even tell yourself about Jesus. We commit to those things, and because of that, we can't run the race that God wants us to run. And you know what you do? You do like the first verse says, you live life like this. Does that look like purpose? I mean, come on. That's not purpose. Come on, you know what I'm saying this morning. I want you to hear me. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to open your eyes. I'm trying to give you some glasses. I'm trying to help you see today that there's something greater than what you're currently walking through. Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. He makes a division right there. He says, I don't think there's a comparison. Like nothing can compare with what you're suffering with to what's getting ready to come. Some, verse, some translation says, this small, insignificant suffering you're going through right now is nothing compared to the future glory that's coming ahead of you. Paul's making it clear. He says, the coming good times, the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, 
the joyful anticipation deepens. Did you get that? Like creation is anxiously waiting. What is creation? That's the birds and the trees and the fishes. Come on. All of creation is anxiously waiting with anticipation. How much more should we be anticipating what's coming ahead of us? Then he uses this analogy about pregnancy. You're going to love this one. We got a bunch of babies born this summer. Praise God for that. I love it. He says, all around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the, long, the larger we become and the more joyful our, expect, our expectancy. Now, guys, I know you've never been pregnant before. But a woman will tell you, trust me, they'll tell you what birth pains are like. My wife used to remind me all the time she quit doing this. But every time I would hurt or get sick, she would remind me of what it was like to be pregnant. You can't lie. But the joy of pregnancy is this, is that there's something growing inside of you and you're getting bigger and bigger. And listen to me, that's a good thing. <laughs> you're getting bigger, let's say bigger and bigger, right? And, and, and as the bigger you get, come on, when you first find out you're pregnant, I see you ladies, y'all taking a picture like this, you tuck in the bottom. Guys can do this all the time, all year long. And you're like, and you got a little, a little selfie thing going, you're like. Week one baby bump. Come on, then y'all get to like, like two month, two month baby bump. I can't even do it. I know, I'm gonna bust a button. My wife's like, put your show down. Scare somebody. But what are you doing? You're waiting, you're expecting, you're anticipating, right? You're waiting for the day when the baby comes out. And then you get to see what it looks like. I think it's I think we cheat today, right? I mean we get these pictures of them. It's almost like 3D. Well, it is 3D. Like, dang, my baby got a big old head. It's like there's no surprise anymore. But you're waiting for that day, right? You have an expectancy inside of you. There's an anticipation. You're living, watch this, you're living in anticipation of a day. Which means this, that the way you live starts to change. Why? Because there's something great coming in nine months, right? And so you live different. You take care of yourself differently, or you should, right? And you talk about it, and you're excited about it, and you tell all your friends about it. And your friends are like, dang, I wish you'd heard of having this baby so you quit talking about it. How much more should we as Christians be anticipating the day of Jesus' return? Amen. 
like a pregnant mom anticipating the day of the birth, we should be anticipating his return. That's what Paul is saying in this, in this verse. He's saying all of creation is anticipating that day. Well, how much more should we? When you're anticipating what's coming ahead, Jesus' return, you walk different, you talk different, you live different, you respond different. You change. You see clearly. Amen? It could be like Fridays. Come on, you've been working all week, struggling. Here comes Friday. Everybody in a good mood on Friday. Satan wants to get you to focus on the right now so that he can steal the joys of what's ahead. Because when you focus on today, you only live for today. And you forget about eternity. Last verse, Psalms 119. And this is my prayer for you this morning. It's this one. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so that I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me a bent for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to me. Promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics. But what you say is always good. See how hungry I am for your counsel? Preserve my life through your righteous ways. That's my prayer for us today. Amen? So come on, bow your heads this morning. I want us to deal with this today. I want you right there, not thinking about nobody else, not focusing on nobody else, I want you to deal with that today. And I'm going to pray these verses over you this morning. So I want you to open your hands. I want you to open your heart as I pray this over you today. God, I come to you today and I ask you to teach us lessons for living so that we can stay the course. God, give us insight so that we can do what you tell us to do. Our whole life long, one long obedient response to you, God. Lord, guide us down the road of your commandments. We love traveling this freeway. Give us a bent for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert our eyes, O oh God, from toys and trinkets. Invigorate us on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to us, O oh God. Promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of our critics. But what you say, God, is always so good. You see how hungry we are for your counsel? Preserve our life through your righteous ways, oh God. Father, today, I ask you to open our eyes. I ask you to lift our heads. God, these are times that are easy to get distracted in. These are times where there's a whole lot of things screaming at us, trying to get our attention and our focus. The thing I love about you, God, is that you're steady and you're patient and you're long-suffering and you walk 
with us. You're not in a hurry. You're not distracted. God, you know the course of life. And you long for us to walk on it. Help us today, oh God, to lift our eyes off of ourselves, off of the current events, and to put them on you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God, I pray that as we focus on you, our steps will be determined. Our steps will have purpose. Our words would give life. Our actions would display your goodness. And our voice would call people back to God. I pray that over us today. I ask you, God, to help us to see like you see us your perspective. Can you say that today? Can you say, God, would you give me your perspective? Would you help me to see like you see? Anybody looking around this morning? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you don't know him personally. You know about him heard about him, but you don't know him personally, and inside you feel something pulling on you a little bit, nobody looking around, if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand real quick this morning, I just want to introduce you to Jesus, that's you, I see you, anybody else? Church.